Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coleman. I'm joined by Elliot Tanti. We have a uh, very special caller on line one. Braden is calling in from the side of the road. Where are you, Braden? <laughs> Some truck stop somewhere. Yeah, exactly. All right. Lots to talk about. We've been off for a week, so we'll get right to it. Here's topic one. Okay, so uh, um, I guess we'll pick up where most people would expect us to pick up, which is with the Edmonton Oilers. Not particularly a pleasant start to the season, if you're an Oilers fan. Uh, lots of hype, lots of expectation, and so far, very little to show for it. A terrible two nine and one record and uh, a hockey team that just looks an absolute shambles right now. can't seem to just like, just cannot seem to get a full 60 minutes to go for them. Uh, They came out um, a night ago. We're recording this Tuesday. So yesterday they came out here in, in Vancouver and, and had one of the most puck possession dominant periods I have seen in the NHL in a very long time for at least the first 15 minutes of that hockey game absolutely took it to the uh, Canucks in their offensive zone, high scoring chances, lots of quality shots on goal, but they come away from it with one goal. And by the end of the same period, we are down three, one. And that, if that doesn't sum up how it's gone so far, I don't know what it is, no matter how hard they work right now, no matter what they do, right. No matter how quickly they start all of those things that you look for in a team that's trying to dig themselves out of a funk. They just cannot seem to get that egg to crack for them. They can't get it to come together. It's simple, frustrating, little mistakes. I believe Connor McDavid said it the other night uh, after the loss to Dallas. You know, it's death by a thousand cuts. For you, Elliot, watching this team, obviously, I'm I'm jumping. I'm, I'm sort of bearing the lead here a little bit in the fact that Jack Campbell was obviously put on waivers with the purpose of uh, of, of being reassigned to Bakersfield today. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But for you, watching these games early, through the frustration, what are you seeing? And do you think this is the this is something that is structurally flawed, or something right now that does have an like there's still hope for this to somehow get corrected? Uh, it's a good question. I'm seeing a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. Uh, that would be the first thing I'd say. I mean, I, I think what we've seen is when the Oilers. The Oilers don't bend; they just straight up break, uh, and that's what you've seen in every one of those games. Even describing that first period as you did against Vancouver, like it was dominant, controlling. They scored a goal. They even got a timely save, uh, and then they let one in, and then they let another one in, and they let another one in. Uh, and it just seems like this is a team that cannot handle difficult situations at this point, and that's I, I think a lot of this has to do with the hype that was going into this season and the expectations that they, we all had and they had of themselves. And that has not come to fruition Uh, starting this season. Eight, nothing is probably a big piece of that as well too. And uh, so, you know, I don't know if I knew what the, the, whether it was structural or if it was some other thing, um, I'm making a lot of money as the coach of the Edmonton Oilers right now. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't think anyone knows what it is, but what I see is a team that lacks a lot of confidence. So, Braden, I'll ask you this. When you look at the move today where we see Ken Holland moving Jack Campbell to waivers down to AHL, we're going to assume that Calvin Picard is on a return contract the other way tomorrow once uh, Campbell clears waivers. So the first sort of 
move he's made this season towards trying to shake up that locker room or inject some kind of, I don't know, urgency or whatever you want to call it. You know, it isn't a trade necessarily, but it is a big roster move, a very expensive contract on the move uh, for a player that we have seen struggle since he got here. Do you think this is going to be enough for the Oilers to be able to sort of come together and start the turnaround? Or is this just going to be step one and what's going to be a very painful couple weeks here as the Oilers try to figure out exactly how to fix this? Yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> you're right in both of those things. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it will for sure affect some sort of change in in the group moving forward. That's a big contract and somebody who has a lot of responsibility on their hands to stop pucks. And, and it is not one person's fault, this, this whole thing going the way that it's going. But there are there is accountability to be had. And I think Jack Campbell carries a lot of that and so one i think that will but but the return contract coming like this isn't something to be excited about necessarily this is just something hopefully to just spark some sort of inspiration in that group to say do what elliot's been saying like where is the confidence i'm I'm really tired when this team gets down and out just to see them start whacking their sticks instead of like actually throwing physicality around darnell nurse if we're going to talk about Jack Campbell, Darnell Nurse is being paid nine and a half gross million dollars a year to body, to be the number one physical defender on the Edmonton Oilers. And to see someone who's sort of on the other end of their successful career in Ryan O'Reilly score two goals the exact same way down low with Darnell Nurse just kind of slouching on him, not being able to push this guy out. It's, it's pathetic. It's, it's, it's frustrating. And the accountability really has to, you know, it sits on these guys who are, who, who are there to, to compete to, to the nth degree. Okay, so but let's talk about accountability for a second. So you're right. You can point your fingers at a couple of different people, obviously. And certainly, you know, with the contract hanging around his neck, Darnell Nurse is definitely on the same level as Jack Campbell in terms of not earning what he is being paid. But there is a player out there right now for whom, accountability seems to have been lacking recently. And I'm like no more obviously than the egregious mistake. And again, it's a pattern for Evan Bouchard, where we are watching a player who is trying too hard to play the offensive part of his game, prioritize that over the defensive part of his game. When he has a D in front of his name on the roster, he plays defense. That has to be priority number one. And the challenge here, and this is, I guess the question is, is there not also some responsibility here for Jay Woodcroft and for this management team to recognize that you have put your team in a position where your coach cannot, or is choosing not to hold players accountable. If the only carrot and stick part of this is ice time, Bouchard doesn't miss a shift not a single shift. And I don't mean you bench him for the rest of the game or you take him out of the roster or you put him on waivers. I'm not saying that because you don't have the bodies right now. You don't well, have the And you don't have the a guy who's going to do, the, to do but, the same kind of accountability though. Like you're talking about the defense and the way that they have a D in front of them. Where are the, where are the goals? How are we going to win anything? Well, I'm not? sorry, Braden, but if your expectation, David, no, but if the, if the argument, Braden, is that 
Jay Woodcroft can't bench Bouchard because he's too important offensively, then you have a fundamental flaw in how your team is built. This is a team that has Connor McDavid, who has not showed up to the season so far. Leon Dreisaitl, who is underperforming. Hyman, who is underperforming. Evander Kane, who we have seen maybe the only one of those four I'm just listing, given us any kind of energy and, and, and life. And mostly it was in the outdoor game. We've got Warren Fogle, who I would argue is the hardest working forward we have had. If that is five players deep to get there, Evan Bouchard should be sitting on the bench for at least two or three shifts after that mistake, because that is absolutely and utterly unacceptable in the NHL Dude, for Vincent any Zerne defenseman to be doing on that. His own goal. Like, uh, uh, but at least his stick is no, in the line, right. Braden, because he's playing the, defense. So this I don't is, blame DeHarnay for that. This is the issue is that that all you're arguing about is who to point the finger. The the problem is with that, Jordan, is that if you bench everyone that's underperforming, you're playing a two line. I'm not saying who's underperforming. No, no, but just let me finish. Let me finish. You've had lots to say. If you bench everyone that's underperforming, you're literally going to put two people out on the ice. It's uh, Fogel, as you said, and Sam Gagne, because those are the only people that are actually showing up in any significant capacity consistently for this team right now. And so it's top to bottom, a complete and utter mess. And so, yeah, I do agree that accountability is the right way to go. And you've got to find ways to, you know, motivate players. And ice time is the number one way to do it. But I just like, I don't know where you start. Like, it's that bad. It's yeah. well, I start yeah. there. No, yeah. but that is where I start. That's where I would start. I would not I'm, not, I'm not saying it's about benching every player for the purpose of accountability. It's based on those specific moments. They have to have repercussions. We have to have a coach who is able to actually identify so, in the moment okay, when a mistake is made. And we've seen this before from him for lesser players. DeHarnay did see the bench a lot during the playoffs when he made mistakes. We have seen him bench players like Clem Costin last season. We have seen him, but it's never his star players. And I do think there is a yeah. flaw there. Evan Bouchard yeah. Yeah. should not have seen the ice again until the second period after that mistake, because it is not the first but offense. Dude, it is not the second offense. Fine, but none of those players, Braden, none of those players pinched to the point of giving up a three-on-one in that out. game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's countless, there's countless, there's countless examples of in that game, in the 11 games previous where they should, but in those 11 games, in those 11 games, he's not doing, I don't think he's doing enough to do that. I just don't think, I I don't think you're wrong, Uh, but I don't think moving a goalie to the minors and I don't think benching people because they play poorly is the solution here. I, I, I don't like, okay. So so that's fair. Confidence. So can we talk about the coach? Can we talk about the coach? Sure. Go ahead. I'm not sure I'm fully on board with the idea of Woody being the thing that just, but if you've lost a leadership, if you've lost your room in terms of who are we listening to, how are we moving through? You know, Jay, Jay Woodcroft was probably one of the best things that happened to this group when he came on board. Yeah. Until, until the when, beginning of the season where he implemented a, a new defensive structure and it fell apart. So, right. But who's actually manu- like how, who's manufacturing that defensive structure? Why is an assistant coach who's not responsible for the defense having their, you know, like <laughs> the head coaches throughout the entire organization? It's a head coach's league. They implement their system. It's their system. He took full responsibility for the fact that this ridiculous zone he tried to run didn't work. Okay. But I want to go back to what Elliot just said, which is about, so how do you find solutions? That's fair. Let's try to find some solutions here before we're done here. I'll ask you this very simply, Elliot. You say it's not just it's not as simple as a goalie goes down or you fire a coach or whatever. So what do the Oilers need right now? And how could they potentially go and get that? 
to figure it out. Cause you can't just tell me now it's like, Oh, they got to grind it out. Like all these other pundits bullshit. I'm sorry. They've tried to grind it out. It isn't working. You need something here to shake this up or you need some personnel changes. That's the reality of it. So right. what With, would what, you do? What cap? Elliot, what would you do? Uh, so I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I think scoring 10 goals against the lowly San Jose Sharks would be great. That's what's going to, we hope happens on Thursday. But if you're talking about what's the personnel move, what's the thing they can do? There's not a lot of options right now, Jordan. Part of the issue and part of the reason why people keep saying tough it out or, you know, use ice time as a, as a, as the, the, the stick and, and or carrot and stick for this team is that they are so far up against the salary cap. They haven't saved enough money and players not playing and enough salary to actually make a move. If there was no salary cap and there was there, they could make any kind of move right now. I would say that you'd have to, you know, I would be looking at another top four defenseman. I mean, I think that that's, or a goalie. I mean, if you could do anything, you'd get a goalie. But that's kind of obvious and kind of, I think, too simplistic. Uh, if if you could, if you put the goalie question aside, then I think you need another top four defense, a defenseman, because I'm not sure what they're running in their top four right now is, is, is good enough from an NHL caliber. But I know the obvious choice is goalie. Braden, who would you, what would you do? Yeah, I think I. Well, what would I do? What did I say a week or two ago? I, they're writing script. This is all part of this journey this year. And if you don't rem- remember, like two years ago, we had a very, very slow winter with loss after loss after loss. And we yeah, we fired our Western coach. We made it to the Western Conference Finals. Oh, we had to fire our coach I to think, do it. I think we have a ridiculous cap situation. Um, so players have to go you out know, to like, come in. Well, yeah, the injection of a Clem Costin last last year, right, right to start, was was really satisfying. So if there was a way to flip some sort of prospect, uh, you know, for somebody who can actually come out and be a you guys are. I'm sorry, I'm, I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. You guys are looking at a hockey team that can barely make it out of the first five minutes of a hockey game without so being I'm completely for- and utterly devastated elliot makes the joke they might score 10 goals on san jose yeah or they could be the first team that the worst team in the history of the nhl beats i'm sorry the edmonton oilers right now are broken by claiming their goaltender what what's that what's the san jose sharks claim so let me fix it i will tell you how you fix it and you're not gonna like it you start moving pieces out of there Okay, so that's what pieces... I just said, Jordan. You just said I, we're not going to. No, do that. you didn't. You I'm went around it. Oh, you got to move a small prospect here. You got to move a piece there. I Evan did. Bouchard is the first player I trade, and I trade him for UC Soros. That's the first move that's I crazy. do. Or I go and I make a deal where I get Campbell's cap moved to a team that knows they're not going to win. Maybe I don't know the set, the Anaheim Ducks right be... now, who no. have a veteran goalie who you could be moving in. Or I go and I move a smaller piece to start. With I go and get someone like Jake Allen because I'm moving either CC, I'm moving Evan Bouchard, or I'm dumping Darnell Nurse to a team that can just eat that cap. I'm moving Dude, pieces out. I'd love out. to dump Darnell Nurse. Bring in Chris Tanev from the Calgary Flames or bring in Zadorov so you've got some actual size you bring up Kim Clauston you know who we didn't have we didn't have anything happening on the ice last night against the Canucks any kind of grit or pushback there was not a single player out there other than Vinny DeHarnay who I looked at and said yeah I could see that guy actually sticking up for his teammate you had you had Connor McDavid literally have his arm wrapped behind his back and shoved to the ice by a defenseman and who's the guy who jumps in on to to support him little little McLeod no it's McLeod who jumps in there McLeod, there's no way is taking on Joshua or anybody else in this league. 
There are pieces that you could move if you actually had the guts to do it. And if I'm Ken Holland right now, this is not just my career because I probably lose my job if this doesn't work out. So it's not the old like, well, I can't really be worried about win now. It's win now or die for Ken Holland, frankly. It is, Jordan. It is. But what are you talking about guts? I don't think it's about the fact he doesn't have guts. How do you how do you convince another team to take Bouchard right now, whether you're talking about him the way you are? Well, the teams that wanted I, I, Bouchard. I take him. The, the teams, just, there are teams out there that want a guy like Evan Bouchard to build with into the future, not him. competitive teams. I still want him on my team. Absolutely. That's All I'll say is the, the, the deal I regret moving right now, when you look at it right now, if you could have one do over from last year, Evan Bouchard is the piece you move back home and you keep Tyson Berry because he played defense. At least he knew how to play defense. I don't know. I mean, I think Evan, yeah, I see, like, I, I think if you want to make a splashy move, Bouchard is probably the obvious one. I mean, that really put, I think they're already shorthanded on defense and you're sure, getting a weak defense. started the so. year with Broberg. And so I think that that would be something that I would have considered. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I I just, what, I, what I'd say is like, I, I, I still think it's too early, guys. It's 11 games. I know it's been brutal. But it's 11 games. If you start to think about the series and stretches of like eight, 10 game stints, they've just started their second 10 game stint. Let's see how the end of the, I, I'd be more willing to entertain this conversation and major structural changes after the second 10. And if we were still in this situation, arguably you could say, well, that's American Thanksgiving and they'll be out. And that might be the case. But I still think I'd want to give it at least nine more games, at least to the end of this war, road trip. Uh, there's still two more games before I'm making any structural changes. It's such a game of bounces. It's such a game of inches. It's such a game of luck in a lot of ways. And I think that we haven't been in a position. <laughs> like, like, look at two of those games. The What was the last two games? Like, we dominated. We really did dominate the game. But did not come out with a win. Two of the games that we won. And then four of them, they just did not show up at all. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they certainly did not. I mean, I think it's you're right, Elliot. It's, it's still early, but we're talking about a team that's going to have to lose. Like they're getting to the point where the math just starts getting really, really difficult. Yeah. When you look at the teams and the records that were needed to get even into the playoffs last year, we're talking about teams that had to be upwards of 10 games over 500 to be safe. And we're talking about a team where if their threshold is, let's say, 41, 42 wins, right now, then they're going to have to go on a streak here where they've got multiple months where they're losing less than two, two games a month. And they are going to end up in a situation where like 12 wins from now, and you're almost all the way to the point where they're at the loss total they had from last year. Like it's, you're really, really flirting as time continues to tick. And the bigger piece is I don't see the signs right now of this turning. That's more stressful to me. Braden, you're right. They played okay for parts of hockey games, but I have yet to see the Edmonton Oilers, even in the Heritage Classic, which I would argue was their best game. Even in yeah. that game, I have yet to see them play a full solid 60 minutes where they looked like they were always on the same page moving forward. Hasn't happened yet. And that's scary when you're already a, almost a quarter of the way through the season. Let's leave it there. Hey, podcast listeners, my name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, 
I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker Podcast. And if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast. Okay, uh, let's talk basketball here. Uh, the NBA season obviously also uh, just about as old as the NHL season. We're just a, about a month and a bit into it. And uh, much like the NHL, it's a like, is it an 82 game season still, Braden? Like the regular season? Yeah. Is it, is a, it's almost yeah. exactly a parallel to the NHL, right? The difference this mm-hmm. year is the NBA is introducing this in season tournament. So maybe I'll let Braden describe this or explain it to us. Dude, that's a terrible idea. I don't know what the fuck's well, going on. You are no, you're like sort of our resident Tuesdays basketball and fan. Yeah. So they're doing some sort of in-game, but what I can't tell you is actually what it's for. Like I I don't actually know what they win out of this other than a fun preseason trophy or midseason trophy. There could be like some implications playoff wise that, that gives them an advantage. So as an active but NBA fan, we, you're telling me you don't even know, know why yeah. they're doing this. Not really, no. I'm excited by it because if we know anything about the NBA, they got a stellar job on marketing and, and they have they have redesigned every single team's court with brand new jerseys and bells and whistles and just to just to signify that there is a tournament game happening on that day because What's weird to me is this is not like March Madness. Like they don't play like a week or two straight and that's called the tournament. They do like Tuesdays are tournament games and those they count for the season, but they also count towards this weird tournament thing. Um, yeah. So, 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 so Braden, not, I think it's good. So Braden, this is, <laughs> let me, let me just help those uninitiated listeners. Cause you didn't do a very good job explaining it because perhaps you don't also don't understand, really understand it very well, it, man. which is, which is maybe going to help my point later. Uh, <laughs> but basically the NBA has added an additional tournament that is buried inside of their regular season schedule. So as you said, Tuesdays and Fridays of November, the games on those dates are games that don't count towards the regular season. They count only towards this in-season tournament. There are, uh, basically 30 teams in it, 15 per conference. And the prize at the end is each player from the winning team receives half a million dollars and the winning team walks away with the NBA cup. So it's really a money thing from the Uh player side of it. That's the incentive. It is a, I guess an additional way for the NBA to have more uh, drama, let's say during their regular season. It's clearly a ripoff of the more traditional, like European soccer football idea of like, uh, international tournaments taking place between different uh, leagues throughout the season. The Champions League, obviously, being the top one, but even the FA Cup in in England, where you've got all of professional soccer, regardless of what league they're in, competing in this season long tournament. That's clearly what it's kind of a, a a rip off of. Interestingly, the NBA, the WNBA, I should say, has already tested this structure. They they held what they called the WNBA Commissioners Cup recently, which is the same idea. Here's my issue, and, and I'll do this as quickly as I can, Elliot, because I'm sure you've got lots of very well-planned uh, and articulated opinions on a topic I didn't warn you about. But 
this is my issue. I, I and I, I really do feel a little vindicated knowing that even Braden didn't couldn't really justify why they're doing this. But why are they doing this? Like, who is this for? Because it feels a lot like it is only a money grab. Like it is only a an idea that was cooked up in the you know sort of the 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 corner offices of the NBA in a way to incentivize sponsors, incentivize broadcasters to try to make something of what we have seen in the last few years is a slowly deteriorating deterioration of the importance of regular season basketball obviously there's this huge sort of there's this whole there's this whole sort of drama occurring in the in the behind the scenes of basketball around load management and worrying about the product at a waste you know how much the stars are being played and all of these things and the nba clearly trying to incentivize making sure that their stars are still really putting the best out there for me it looks like an absolute Americanized bastardization of, a, of something that they've seen someone else do in some other sport and some other league and think it'll just work. It reminds Wait, me a little bit. Why can't it be that? What, why because, can't it be that, Jordan? Well, but here's the reason. It's like, What's why is it that? that? Isn't that no, good but, for the league? Doesn't that grow it? Doesn't that put more eyes on it? More no, excitement? I don't think it does because you can't even tell well, me when the, the games FA are. Cup, wasn't that your argument? The FA Cup and... So and let me use that league? as the example. Let me use that as the example. The interesting and dramatic part of the FA Cup is that it is across multiple leagues. We are putting the best players in in England in the Premier League against players who are like four tiers below them in certain matches because every team starts and every team has an opportunity to equally, quote unquote, get there. And obviously the cream rises and that's how it works. Just like the NBA tournament. No, the the NBA tournament is only teams from the NBA. We are not playing against teams in Australia. We are not playing against teams in Europe. This is the same teams that are already going to be playing each other every other Tuesday and Friday. Now we've just added a tacky different court design and a random trophy that has no meaning to any of these people other than the fact that, again, you've incentivized it with money, which, again, is the Americanization part of it. But it means nothing. Like, you can't say Mm -hmm. the way Adam Silver did when he launched this. This is going to be like the NBA's Champions League. No, it's not, because the Champions League is all about the best teams in the Bundesliga and the best teams in Liga uh, and the best teams in the Premier League all coming together and competing with each other and seeing the best on best across those different European leagues. This is just the NBA. It's still the same teams. It's going to yeah. be the Celtics playing the Lakers on Tuesday. And then, you know, come come Thursday, they're going to be in a regular season game no. against each other. And it's going to mean the same. No, it's just divisions, just against divisions, the top okay, out of the fine. division. Eventually, they're going to come oh, across not, each other in the, in, when we get to the bracket. <laughs> Elliot, get in here on some of this. How do you feel so, about any of this? All we do on this show is lament about how conservative and boring and slow and the same the NHL, well, the CFL, and the NHL is all the time and how they never take risks and they never take chances. The only risks they take are stupid things like banning important things like pride tape. And they never try anything different. And anytime they do, it's so uh, conservative that it never really means anything. They're playing hockey outside. What a big deal that is. You know, that's like the biggest thing the NHL will do. I don't, I'm not going to hate on the NBA for this. I, I think, you know what? They're trying something. They're taking a chance. They're going to see how it plays. It's obviously addressing an issue, which I think you touched on, Jordan, around load management and the issue around whether the best player, you know, people are paying for tickets to see the best players on teams and then those best players aren't, aren't, aren't playing. At least it's an attempt at that. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition, if this means enough, if that $500,000 means enough for that. 
that that thing. I mean, you know, why not? Let's see how it goes. Let's see what the interest is. That's the one thing I love about the NBA is that they're willing to take these kinds of chances and try it out. And if it if it fails or it doesn't resonate the way that they want it to, then I'm sure they'll put it on the show. But at least they're trying something. That's what we want in that we want you like I'm so tired of like you know, you, you, the same old over and over and over again. I, I'm t- for someone who doesn't really care for basketball, doesn't watch a lot of it. I, you know, is this going to make me watch it? No, but is it going to? Is it? Is it lead to a little bit more investment and a little bit more interest midseason? Probably for someone that's a. And doc- I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, we're going to talk about who wins the NBA Cup on this show this season. Yeah. So I don't want to, I want to just, just... I, I, I just, I, I think these, the, the, the main five leagues of the main five leagues wouldn't, it's nice. I mean, the biggest deal is the NFL goes to Europe, hockey plays outside, baseball has a pitch clock now. I mean, that is boring. That is, t- well, and the all-star games are changing. Actually, the pitch you clock know, made so baseball like much more watchable. The pitch and, clock and made baseball better. Something. There's value. Like those games, yeah, just they have value. You know, why okay, not? Okay, so I want to just clarify two things for the purposes. Of, we're not, we're not pretending we're, journal- we're not pretending to be journalists here. Fantasy one and three, and this is Jordan's in a bad mood today. That's the only, that's that's the only thing I can. <laughs> yeah. Let's not, let's not it. pretend to be journalists here, but let's just clarify because I think it's important <laughs> to be accurate. I'm doing my own research as I do this. So the games See, in this I, tournament will count you. towards the regular season. So that's different. Okay. So they do count, I but, earlier. But here's the piece of that. Here's the problem. Crazy. Not every NBA team is in this tournament. So it changes all of what the 82 games. Yeah, they are. Pardon me. They're not going to all go the same distance in this tournament, I should say. Certain teams will be eliminated. Correct, correct, correct. And so you've got to yeah. balance out these games. So I don't know if you knew this, Braden, but there's only uh, 80 games currently scheduled for every team. There's uh, two games that are no, I didn't currently, know that. currently not on the that's schedule. That's creative. That's super creative. Oh, it sounds like a nightmare that's, is what it sounds like to me. No, I appreciate no, Elliot's team that wants to do it. That's creative planning. And it, it, it's, it's an idea. You got to run with that thing. I, I don't know. I think I, I like the added incentive for the league to have players want to play for something more earlier in the season. I think that's good for the league. Okay. So here's what I, here's what I just want to push back. I, I, I think appreciate you need something like that right now. too. Oh God, It's not, it, I appreciate what you're saying, Elliot, in the sense that it, it is easy to just poo-poo something because it's new. I get that. And I am often an advocate for attempting innovative things or trying things a little bit differently. You know, if you're listening to our Formula One show right now, like Tyler and I are coming up every single week with as many different ways to fix this broken sprint because they tried something new. It was actually pretty good. People complained and then they tinkered with it and broke it. And and so I agree with you in principle. My challenge to it is this. It is also over simple to just accept the thing you are sold by a business that is designed to try to convince you that what they are selling is good every single time. And I guess what I'm saying is currently I'm not buying the hype and I'm not buying the marketing behind this idea because what my eyes are showing me and what I'm what what I'm feeling about it says something different. It's easy to jump on the bandwagon and say, this is cool. This could be great for the sport. All that's there. I think it's too early to know that first off, but from the initial no, reaction, games now. no, no, it's too early to know how this is going to all play out. Cause it hasn't all played out once. Yeah. From that side. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. My fair. argument is if it ain't broke, why fix it? And in this situation, I don't think it that, was broke. 
I don't think it was though. The NBA is growing. But you just at described a pace. things like like players' load management, wanting players to have more. But who? Okay, so okay, fine. But let so just let me finish with that. You're right. Mm-hmm. I did articulate that, but I didn't say that the fans thought that was a problem. I said the league was worried about that. And the, no, the, the fans league, did too because players. No, fine. Fans some, some. You're right. You're right. You're in some backwater town with an NBA team that has no stars on it. When LeBron comes into town, you pay for your ticket. You want to go see him. I get that. That's always been a problem. That goes back to Jordan. That is not a new problem. But the NBA is treating it like it's a new problem they have to solve because of where they are, and moreover, because they are getting pressure from their sponsors. And that is where we come back to here. This is about dollars and cents. This is not about bettering the game. It is about trying to package it in a new way that they can add new sponsors. To to add new revenue streams to it's all about those and what i think is frustrating yeah, and about all- that is that the nba is the one league of the big four that is continually growing already they they are the one league that doesn't need this to get the next step they are already doing it they have the lar- the fastest growing fan base in the world for for the american sports they have they are quickly and like like in a in an exponential like the kind of what's the nut bell chart, the chart that just literally has taken off on for them. They yeah. are growing their TV revenue. Every one of those teams has tripled in value in the last decade where you can't say that around baseball. There are still markets that are struggling there. Literally one is moving to Vegas. Ba- NBA is probably the healthiest it's been in a very long time. It's I guess what I'm trying to say. And that's why I'm confused yeah. why this would be the time Which, that they try to take. This not is the problem. answer. And this is a way that you I can think that they have that the exact capacity for that kind of a risk. And and this is the that, way you can, do that. you can improve your revenue stream without ruining your game. It's not compromising the integrity. Yeah. If they all have two yeah. games on schedule, that's it. Fine. That's really here's what it, here's what I'll say. I am happy to have put on the record. old man yelling yeah. at class. And I am happy talking. to have on the record, like to have put on the record now, November seventh, twenty twenty two, that I do not think this is going to work. I do not think people are going to enjoy this the way that they think the NBA thinks they will. And I think that over time, people are going to find this to be gimmicky and lame and they will, they will go back. You know what I love about this? Two seasons and they will get rid of it. That's what, you know what I love about this? Put that in the archive. The fact that they have added sponsors and these players are making how much when they win that, that money is going to continue to go into charities and that's not happening right now. This is an only, it's only good for the league. What charity? What charity? <laughs> You're telling the NBA players are spending their money on charity? Maybe a couple of them. Yeah, not most of yeah, them. Yeah, I do, Jordan. I do a lot. I do think a lot of those players, if they were to win a sum of money in a tournament like that, they would be pledging it to charity. And okay, children, maybe, maybe nine, the nine, ones who are already making a hundred million a year. You're right, and it'll that's be sick ridiculous. children. So you hate sick children. You, they're not do, the NBA is not right, doing Jordan. this. It's just such that's a right, misnomer. Jordan. That's not why they're doing this. <laughs> Come that's on. not why they're doing it. I'm just saying here's the benefits. <laughs> that's all. Let's just look at what's good for the league. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. That's topic two. <laughs> hey, football fans! The Ordinary Podcasting Network is very excited to welcome back for its second season. Running Down the Clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. All right, uh, we will do hats off to round it out here. Elliot, who do you have? 
Yeah, so this is just me patting myself on the back. My hats off goes to my Texas Rangers, who won the World <laughs> Series in five games. I believe two weeks prior to their victory, I said that they would win in four games, so I missed by one. Uh, but I did call them to be World Series champions, and so my hat goes off to that entire team. Congratulations to them and to me. All right, Braden, what do you have? Uh, my hat is going off to what will continue to help the NBA, not this preseason, midseason tournament, but the players who are playing in the midseason tournament, namely the second coming, Victor Wembanyama. Is going to be a name we talk about for generations. He's like seven four. He looks like he's playing with ants, and um, he holds himself like he's been playing professional basketball for the last five years. Um, a very, very special, very special basketball player. Um, my hat goes off to Victor Wembanyama. Just the start of a very exciting career to come in the NBA. All right. Uh, I agree. He's also, it's also fascinating to watch him out there like with these other players. Cause he doesn't look like he's the same species. Like he is just a he fascinating like a point guard human being. Seven, it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. It's um, awesome. If you haven't seen it, you should. My hat goes off in, in sort of a somber way, I suppose, or kind of like a, I mean, it still goes off to him. Cause I, I really have started to, to, to grow a, a liking to Vanny Sartini, who is the, uh, manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps FC. I don't know if you saw how the uh, season ended for Vancouver. They played on uh, the third game of a very busy sports weekend here in Vancouver. Obviously the Lions played Saturday, the Canucks played right after them. And then the Whitecaps rounded out the Sunday. So it was a busy weekend, but they were in game two of a best of three series with the LA FC football club owned by Will Ferrell. It was a one nothing game uh, in extra time when uh, the Whitecaps had a corner and a great uh, delivery into the box. And as the ball was sort of deflected out to one of their players, he was literally knocked to the ground by the referee, by the official. And then the ball was turned over. Their keeper had come all the way up to help with the corner. And LAFC was able to basically go in undefended and, and bury the game closing it out two nil winning the series. It was a, an egregious ending and certainly a very um, uh, frustrating and difficult one for the Whitecaps. And Sartini obviously made his feelings very clear. And I, I was all for it. I think that he was right within his rights to, to stand up for his team. He went out there and called, you know, it disgraceful said he's never seen anything like it in professional sports. And he was very angry he came out today and apologized. He did acknowledge that, you know, the heat of the moment was there. Obviously he says, I'm sorry. I believe there was no malicious intent. Uh, I could have done better for my team, but I will always, you know, I will always stand up for them. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He's fascinating. He's hilarious. He's got this very, very strange and sort of quirky personality. I really like the guy. My hat goes off to Sartini. Um, happy trails to the white caps FC. They had a pretty, a pretty impressive season considering not a lot of, um, uh, people I think had, had high expectations for them coming in and they, they, they had a really good season. They also had the largest crowd they've ever had at BC place on Sunday. So good for them. It's good for the city. Uh, good for, good for the white caps. And uh, my hat goes off to Sartini. All right. That's our show for this week. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Braden. Braden. Um, good luck getting home from wherever you're sitting there on your phone. 
Uh, we wish you well. No, it's just a red light. You've been sitting at a red light this whole time? <laughs> yeah, it just has not changed. But I do think it will change soon here for the Oilers. So it's open. Right, it's well, the newer LRT line I'm stuck behind. It, yeah, there you go. Eternally <laughs> optimistic, the two of you. Um, we'll see how it all shakes out in a week or so. Uh, that was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include. Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.